What's up, guys? Tired of your InsureTech solutions coming up short? We've seen tech services that aren't industry-specific, just some tech firm slapping an insurance sticker on it, but not really understanding our business. We need an agency-centric solution. Technology is built by insurance pros for insurance pros to streamline our processes. A great example of that is ePay Policy. All these guys do is insurance. That's their only focus. They are a great go-to service for ACH and digital credit card payment processing that helps you bind policies faster, and they seamlessly integrate with a ton of management systems. Head on over to ePayPolicy.com, check them out, and use the promo code IGPODCAST to get your first month free. I don't know that Elon Musk is working on a self-driving insurance agency, but until he does, we've got ePay policy. It's like being on autopilot. Flip the switch, lean back, take a nap. Let's go. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Space Mountain of Insurance Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for I Protect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama, parade first team All-American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I'm great, Scott. How are you this afternoon? I am doing the best I have ever been. Bradley, we got to tell the story. We both get an email this morning. We both have virtual assistants in the Philippines. Go ahead and enlighten our 250,000 insurance agents that are listening to this. Enlighten them on the message that you got from your VA this morning. Well, obviously, a typhoon hitting a location where you have employees or members of your team is never good. And they are certainly in our thoughts and prayers. And we're actually working right now in the office, pivoting to try and help them out today. My VAs, I think, are some of the hardest workers I've ever met. And Jessa, in particular, is, is my main VA, who's very, 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 very committed to her job. And in a lot of ways, reminds me of how I was when I was just getting, getting going. And she sent me a message on Slack this morning and said, the roof blew off my house this morning, but don't worry, I still have internet and can still work today. You damn right you do. I, my, hey, my bunch over here is sending me messages this weekend wanting to know if we were getting off on Veterans Day. And I said, <laughs> well. You messaged me. Yeah, yeah I did. I, I said, well, uh, anybody here a veteran besides myself? And then crickets. <laughs> and you got, a, you got a girl with a roof blown off her house still working over there in the Philippines. That's amazing. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. We appreciate all of you. If you like the show, love the show, or hate the show, please, please, please send us a comment. If you like it, subscribe to it. Bradley and I have both been met with a lot of challenges the last few weeks, but I know he's as excited as I am to be back and podcasting. And Bradley, I think you and I, in the next two or three weeks, we're going to have to do about 8, 10, 12 batch file podcast for the upcoming uh winter and spring yeah (laughs) bradley has somehow gotten to this point where he does not like batch file i think you would rather just do one a week i would i would and it used to be the opposite used to i would be man i was like a kid on christmas morning on on a batch day i was like yeah let's go you know and it may be the shift happened around the time covid started and we haven't we started doing these reminds me a lot of people don't know like scott and i have not seen each other in person since february Right. Uh, when we were in Vegas and 
maybe if we did it in person, I would feel a little bit different because it's kind of like we're hanging out versus me just being in a room by myself. That's right. But yeah, it's now that we have the technology and the equipment and the gear capabilities to do one on the fly, pretty much like this one is. Right. You know, I'm in my office. Scott's in his office. We both have very powerful microphones that make us sound great. I think I'm a little more apt to do that, but I don't know. We'll see. I've actually got to go by there today and see Johnny. So, Well, guys, listen, mission of this podcast never changes. We're here to do one thing and one thing only, and that's to help you agents move the ball one step forward to greatness. My job every week is to play like a champion on here and to give you guys a few nuggets that you can take back to your office, implement in your office, and move the ball one step forward. And that's what we're going to try to do today. So without further ado, I want to introduce our guest. I love these guys and, and girls when they come on the podcast because they can relate to each and every one of you. They're no different than you are, guys. They're out there every day swinging the bat, trying to sell more insurance, to become a better insurance agency, to learn, to grow. And I love having these guys on the podcast. So without further ado, he resides in Bedford, Texas. He is a graduate of Baylor University and is married to the beautiful Andrea. And I believe they have one daughter. Her name is Jacqueline. And he is the agency owner at Insurance for Texans. I love that name. He is an underappreciated technology agency owner. That comment came from Mr. Bradley Flowers. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor to introduce to you first-time guest on the Insurance Guys podcast, Mr. Ron Wadley. How are you, Ron? I'm well, sir, and I'll make one clarification. I actually have two daughters. Oh! Uh, I've got a younger one named Ruby, who's only seven, and she is, uh, she, she's ready to take over the world. I, love I, I it. think the word you were looking for was underrated, and maybe I did say underappreciated, but I meant underrated. Sorry. Well, Sorry, hey, Ron. Ron, I want to apologize for not mentioning Ruby's name, and it sounds like she's the one that's going to be leader in the clubhouse to take over your agency one day. <laughs> she just about already has, if we're being truthful. Right, right. So, I'll tell you guys a funny story about the first time I met Ron. We, Ron and I had talked on the phone and uh, th- several times uh, over the last few years, but when Scott and I went to the 8% Nation conference in Dallas, and the way it was set up, is before you went on stage, there was a um, kind of a green room that was on the second floor with glass, with windows. You could look out over the audience and you're looking kind of at the back of their heads. And then you you went through this door and walked through a tunnel. It was kind of like a catwalk and you walked down and onto the stage. And we're sitting there and we had, and I, we had just got there, you know, because I flew in that morning. We I think we went on stage at nine. My flight landed at eight. And I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there with Scott and Scott may not remember this, but I looked down and all the way across the room, I see this bald head that was shining so uh-huh. bright, it made me squint. And I said, oh, look, Uncle Ron's here. I love I, it. There's a little extra shine uh, these days, so hopefully we don't put too much glare on the screen. Hey, I got a question for you. How do you get it to shine like that? <laughs> what do you put on it? I got to know. My wife found some magic lotion on Amazon that, after I shave it, because there is a, you know, you develop a little stubble, whatever, but sure. I'm truly mostly bald. But after I shave it, I put that lotion on and it feels really good. Right. But evidently it produces extra shine. Gotcha. So I, I knew there had to be something because I've seen guys like you before that they're, and by the way, I am probably 
five years away from emailing you to ask you what that product is that you're talking about. Go ahead, go ahead and shave it all off, dude. Hey, here's the great news, guys. I don't look great with a bald head. I look really mean. If I have like a bald head and a goatee, I look look like I, I should be in a biker gang or something. But I don't look bad. I don't look horrible. So I'm I'm not like dreading that. But I know it's coming. It was honestly kind of a liberating step because right. you have hair. Somebody takes a picture from behind and you see all this real estate yep. that's up on the top that you didn't know was exposed. You're like, oh, my gosh. So then you go through this process. You flat top it. You cut it with a two guard. Then you go to a one guard. And finally, you say, screw it. And it's actually better this way. I'm not going to lie. So, Ron, I need you to climb in my DeLorean for just a moment. And let's go back in time. And you talk to me a little bit about how you got in the insurance industry and just kind of bring us up to today. So we're going to have to really crank the DeLorean up to do that. I started 20 years ago in the actuarial department of Transamerica's long-term care division when it was actually headquartered in beautiful Bedford, Texas. That sounds so boring. It was boring as can be. The great news for me is we were playing fantasy football back then. You had a bunch of math geeks that were sitting around. You didn't play poker against each other because everybody was counting cards at the table. Fantasy football was cutthroat because everybody had their own proprietary formulas that they were using. But that's where I got my start in insurance after uh, teaching school when I first got out of college. And when I entered that realm – I took on the role of automating everything I possibly could so I could be as lazy as possible for being truthful. So that's where I got my start in the insurance industry. I've worked financial consulting in the healthcare realm. So the health insurance side, I help health systems and physicians make more money by leveraging patient population uh, mechanics. So I understand that side of the business as well. Decided I need to do something for myself. What do I know? I know insurance. So why not sell it? Right. Opened as a captive agent seven years ago, sold that off in 17 and had the independent side up and running, you know, insurance for Texans is is still going and kicking. So when you came up with that name, insurance for Texans, that is a wonderful name, but it's so, it's so like basic. Were you just talking like, man, I'd like to create something for Texans. And you're like, well, why not just be insurance for Texans? Well, it's kind of dumb luck, honestly, Scott. The So when I was in captive agent right, and I was first experimenting with Facebook ads and everything else that, you know, the things that we all do to generate leads, I created what is known as a dark page in the marketing world. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, there was nothing on Facebook called insurance for Texans. So I created a page. Mm-hmm. It was honestly kind of dumb luck other than the fact that Texans are a proud lot. You guys live in other countries. It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're very prideful and nationalistic about our location. So I was able to advertise from it when I was selling off the captive agency and trying to figure out what I was going to call the independent side. I didn't want my name in it. I wanted it to be bigger than just my name. The dark page was there. It was generating prospects on the regular. We ran a, a check. We're technically insurance for Texans group incorporated, but we do the DBA as insurance for Texans. So it was, honestly, it was kind of dumb luck. 
the domain was out there and the rest is history, I guess. There's two things that I really love about that. One is one thing that frustrates me with advertising and branding. And you see, I see it a lot for some reason in billboards, but when you advertise or brand or market or whatever you want to call it, I've always said, tell your customer what you want them to do. Like people try to get really cutesy and there's a lot of cases where I think that might work. You know, if you're a company like Apple and everybody knows what you're about, but to get a quote, click here, call here. Like that's why I like insurance for Texans. Like it's very clear who you're going after what you sell. It's very much like super simple, super basic, but it's an action. And that's why my website is getportalinsurance.com. It's an action. And also portalinsurance.com is five grand. But, uh, but so, and then the second thing that I like about that, and I want you to touch on this a little bit because it's something that I think is not talked about enough is not having your name in it. Everybody goes for the old school, the Johnson agency. And they don't think about how that could potentially hurt not only the value of their agency when they go to sell, but two, the branding aspect of it, where if somebody's looking for insurance and they could go with insurance for Texans or they could go with the Ron Wadley agency, their mind, they're going to be biased against the Ron Wadley agency because their idea of that is it's a guy sitting in his basement and it's not a company. Correct. It also means that as you expand and eventually hire people, they don't have to talk to, they're not calling to talk to me per se. Yep. They're calling to do business with the agency. Well, and on the flip side of that too, I have a buddy that runs a real estate company that named it after himself and about two years in rebranded because hotshot, young gun, top-notch agents don't want to go work for the Bradley Flowers real estate group. Right. It may be an ego thing. And that's why when we founded Portal and named it Portal is I wanted it to sound like a carrier. I wanted it to sound like a company. I didn't want it to sound like an agency. Bradley, you and I had these conversations a couple of years ago. You may or may not remember it. but I do remember. I started out my agency with Scott Howell and Associates. And about two years, three years ago, somewhere in that range, I changed over to iProtect. And I did it for every reason that the two of you have just mentioned. I went down and sat down here in Huntsville with one of the most successful real estate agencies I've ever seen, but the agency is named after the principal of the agency. It's a name, just like Bradley was talking about earlier. And I pointedly asked her, I said, would you name it after yourself again if you had it to the over again? And she said, no, I would not. I talked to one of the, probably one of the most successful agency owners, any of us listening to this knows without saying any names that said the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Guys like you and I, if we're an associate agent Mm -hmm. and we're alpha male crushing it, we don't want to hand a card to somebody that says Scott Howell and associates. I mean, well, let's, let's say that Ron two years from now gets burnt out and is like, you know what? I'm going to take a 365 day mission trip to Africa and go off the grid and be a missionary for a while that the Lord's really calling me to do that. And he goes and does that. And the customer calls and Ron Wadley's no longer there. It's going to sting way more that if it's insurance for Texans. And I, I didn't buy this from Ron. I bought this from insurance Texans versus the Ron Wadley agency. They're going to expect Ron to be there. And even if they don't have a relationship with that person, they call there. Can I speak with Ron? No, he's not here. He's not going to be in. Oh, what's wrong? There's something going on there. I'm not going to, I'm going to go back to Geico. 
Mm-hmm. You have to think about all these things. Right, right. Hey, Ryan, the, I'm sorry, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. I want to hear what you get to say. I say there is one downside to the name. Okay. People from Oklahoma don't call me. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I get that. So being multi-state licensed, part of it is we, we take care of folks that have property things elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But, but we've got some niches that are beyond just Texas. Yeah. And we kind of have to explain the name to folks when we're dealing with those niches. That said, we've been able to overcome. Well, and see, when I was captive, my dark page, so to speak, was Sarah Land Insurance. I remember that. And that's how I branded myself, too. It wasn't just a dark page. And then when I went independent, I know for a fact there were people that knew me that were like, that's so dumb. Why didn't he call it Sarah Land Insurance? Mm. Because if I'm in Spanish Fort, right, which is across the way, they're not going to buy insurance from Sarah Land Insurance. And actually, I've given my first round of business cards at Portal said Bradley at Sarah Land Insurance on them. And I've literally given, I literally gave that card to a lender at the beach and she goes, Sarah Land Insurance. I'm not giving that to my clients. Right. Hey, Ron, insurance agents from around the world, I want you to hear this. We're going to talk about SEO today and I'm going to need you guys to write some stuff down for me because this guy knows SEO backwards and forwards. As we start that conversation right now, Bradley and I have a friend in the insurance. He's a, he's a young agent. He just spent probably between six and eight thousand dollars on SEO with no results. Zero. Oh, zero. Zero. Zero results. And if it makes anybody feel better, I told him at month one not to do it. Oh. So let's talk. Unfortunately, those stories are plentiful. Right. Let's talk about SEO for a little while here. What start with like page one of the book. Whatever page one is, let's start with page one. So page one says you need to understand that the online landscape for insurance is one of the single most competitive landscapes there is. There's a reason that Geico spends billions of dollars to advertise online. And all of those big, massive companies are who you're competing against for SEO. Mm -hmm. You need to understand that and flip the script. Focus on what local search or niche type search. Like if you offered, and and we write insurance for tailgates at McLean Stadium in Waco during the fall. Like we insure tailgates specifically for liquor liability. That's super niche. You're not going to be competing against anyone there if you own the website tailgateinsurance.com. Right that's flipping the script. You're not trying to compete on the word insurance. You're now brokering it down. We ran a local SEO campaign earlier this year where we're at in DFW. There's lots of little suburbs. And so we focused on putting those suburbs names into all of our content that helps our local search. So we're, we're competing against other agencies, not, the big named carriers. Got you. You've got to understand that part of the landscape before you ever start to delve into trying to affect organic reach. Okay. We now understand that. I don't know that you could have said that any more plainly than you just did. And one of the things that I hate about SEO and in regards to this individual is SEO is a foundation, right? It's not 
turn the ad on and you get leads immediately. You're building a foundation. It's a long-term play. And it's a long game for sure. And that if you're paying somebody to do that can equal expensive sometimes. And if that person is a jack leg and barely knows what they're doing in and it's going to lead to problems. Right. And this particular agent we're talking about doesn't know anything about SEO. So this person they're talking to that they're paying $600 a month to may seem like an expert, but in reality, they're just a little bit ahead of the curve in comparison to this guy over here. And you can run into a lot of situations where somebody actually doesn't know what they're doing, but they know just enough to be dangerous and just enough to get you on the hook for 12 months of $600 a month or something of that nature. I know just enough about SEO right now to probably start a company and charge 10 to 20 people 500 bucks a month for me to do their SEO. But I'm not going to do that because I can't get the kind of results that they want. Yeah, and they they need to. So it's really, really easy to light money on fire, which is what you were implying with the 12 months at $600 a month. Because somebody knows some buzzwords and it sounds really good and, and they don't understand if you're just trying to sell poppies for Remembrance Day in the UK, you might be able to affect that because it's it's a fairly niched out thing. But home insurance as a search term in the United States is incredibly tough. Right. But so, when you put Grapevine in front of that, which is a town name here, Grapevine Home Insurance, that becomes very important. And there's some ways to game that system as well. I'm glad you just said that. So here's what I want to do now. You have clearly and accurately described the rules, page one of SEO and what to do and what not to do. Let's go to page two for a second. And now we're going to talk to all these insurance agents that are listening to this right now. Let's clearly define for them some things that they can do when they stop this podcast and they get off the show that they can go do on their whatever it is, Google business listing, their website, whatever it may be that can help them increase organically their SEO without giving somebody $5,000 a month to go try to do that. The single biggest thing you can do is to completely fill out your Google My Business listing. Make sure that the description's there. Make sure that the labels are there. Make sure that the tags are there. Fill in the products and services that you offer where that's indicated. Add pictures regularly to the listing. Make posts to your listing. If you have special holiday hours and you're closed on Veterans Day, make sure that's filled in on your listing. Make sure that your phone number matches all your other online listings. If you have a calendar link where people can schedule, fill that in. Make sure all of that information is filled in and make sure it matches all the other on listings that are online listings that are out there like Bing and Yahoo, you know, all every place that you're going to show up, yp.com. If you're crazy enough to be on Yelp, make sure that all the information matches across all the listings. Ron, Ron, question uh, on behalf of the 250,000 agents out there. I've got a question. So Scott has three agencies. He has three different Google business listings for each location. Okay. Are you following me so far? Yes, sir. Should I have 
the same phone number and fax number for each one of those because I could do that. I could send everything that somebody calls to that one office and then they can transfer calls or should I have a different number for each individual office? It doesn't matter. So one of the things that I can, as far as phone numbers go, one of the things I can speak to here, Dallas Fort Worth is a very diverse place. Dallas has certain area codes. Uh And if you live in Dallas proper, you're not going to call a Fort Worth area code and vice versa, right? If you live in the 214, you're not calling an insurance agency in the 817. And if you live in the 817, I don't even go to the 214, much less use an insurance agency over there. So it's less important that you have the same phone number for all three of those listings, but where you have a listing in Huntsville and you also have a listing for Bing for that agency in Huntsville, those two pieces of data have to match just like if you also had a location in Birmingham, the listings for the Birmingham location need to match. Correct. Okay. Second question, because Scott screws so much stuff up. I'm looking at my Google business listings yesterday for my Huntsville location. I have a duplicate. I have one same listing for the same location. One's verified. One's not verified. Should I just delete the unverified account and rock on? Or how do I even, how would I go about? Get rid of of the unverified account. Mark it permanently closed if you have to, but keep the verified one because the verified one's the one that's going to matter the most. Okay. So the other thing that you can do to affect that listing is to get the reviews. Mm -hmm. Reviews are, are huge in Google trusting that listing. Verification is huge. Fill in all the data reviews. And agents would be shocked, especially if you're, you're someone that doesn't really, air quotes, work on their Google business listing or try to get reviews. The amount of difference in call volume from zero reviews to five reviews. Right. Oh, yeah. So I had an agent reach out to me about a year ago, maybe not quite a year ago, in the same state, but not here. And he's like, man, I don't know what to do. I'm just getting my butt kicked by the guy down the street. Da, 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 da. Is there any advice you have for me? And so I I go online and I look at their Google business listings and the guy down the street has 500 five-star reviews and my guy has zero. I'm like, well, the first thing you can do, I'm going to challenge you to go get five five five-star reviews. A month later, he had two five-star reviews. One was me, one was him. And I'm like, you got to, you got to take action. A story I like to tell too, in conjunction with that is I had a loan officer reach out to me or I reached out to her and I was like, hey, what can I help you with marketing-wise? Send me referrals, da-da-da. And she's like, I really need help with SEO. I'm like, okay, well, do you have a Google business listing? No. I was like, okay, I'm going to create you a Google business listing and I'm going to get you some reviews. We got her five five-star reviews, six five-star reviews, and she calls me a week later. It's like, oh my God, what did you do? My phone has not stopped ringing because what happens is when you go from zero to several five-star reviews, Google says, oh, Scott is paying attention to his Google page now. We're going to reward the crap out of him in hopes that he ends up spending more money with us. Right. Yeah. So I got another question, Ron. I'm full of questions today only because I channel every insurance agent that listens to this show and I want to answer all the questions that they're channeling through me right now. Let's say I've got a niche market. Let's say I'm, I'm, uh, I'm the best in the country at writing Domino's Pizzas franchises. Okay. And can you create a Google business listing 
for that particular niche? Like you almost can do that with like a Facebook page. Is that possible or no? You're, you're likely to get shut down by Google. One of the things people do is they'll create these ghost listings, right? They'll put a town name in it and they do it to try to affect that. And people will say, Hey, this is not a legit business. You would be better off creating a website, right? Domino's pizza franchise insurance.com or whatever. I mean, to use yours, you're going to have much better success doing that than you are Google my business listing because the listing typically affects local search more than it does national search. Right. Can I tell a story I've always wanted to tell about Google business listings, but never have? Please do. Do you know what story it is? Nope. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm going to make this real quick. So one thing agents need to look out for too, and Ron, you may can speak to this, are competitors trying to hijack your Google business listing. There are marketing companies out there right now that specialize in stealing your competitors Google business listing. So you as a, I'm not saying to do this, but you as a company can hire this marketing company and their MO is they can go take someone's Google business listing. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about, Ron? It's called black hat SEO. Okay. Those of you that know my prior uh, exclusive agent life, I was with an organization that made agents share offices. In a lot of cases, those agents you shared the office with were sometimes your biggest competitors, right? And I think that's the case with all captives. I think if you're a farmer's agent, your biggest competitor is the farmer's agent down the street because you can't take his business. Once he writes a client, you can't take that client for the most part. They're locked in, right? They have to go somewhere else to get to you. So, and I'm very proud of in this area, I have more Google reviews in this particular area than any other agent. And my wife is number two, by the way. And I was very proud of that at this time. And, and it got me a lot of business. And I get an email one day that said, such and such is requesting ownership of your Google business page. And I'm like, ah, I'm not, you know, I archived the emails like that's spam. I'm not going to. And I was like, well, I might better look into this. So I look into it and it was a first name dot last name at gmail.com. So I search the name and then like five seconds, I'm across a Google, not a Google, a LinkedIn page. I pull the LinkedIn page up and the person works at a marketing company. And I called that company and said, hey, uh, can I speak to such and such? Oh, she's not here right now, but I can give you her cell phone. So that would be fantastic. (laughs) So I pick up the phone. Hey, I don't remember what the name was. Um, Hey, Jenny. This is Bradley Flowers with such and such insurance. Why did you request access to my Google business page? And about that time, I heard the front door of my office open and the same person that I saw on LinkedIn walked out of my office on a cell phone, had been meeting with the other agent. We discussed that back in the day. We I did. remember that. Phone. We did. It was a big yeah. deal. Yeah. And the story is a lot more involved than what I'm letting out right now. So, well, well, you just need to talk to such and such. We're going to do that as soon as I'm done with you. Take your eyes and your mouse and every, off of my Google business listing. I know what company you work for. I know what you guys do. You will get hit with all kind of legal, uh, you know, went, went into that whole thing, left out, walked out in the office, pointed at the guy, said, we need to talk right now. Uh, long story short, it's very unfair that you have all these Google reviews and you get all this business from it. I think we should both have ownership. Da, 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 da. No, it's not going to happen. I said, you, you have a few options. One, 
you can drop it and I will help you create a Google business listing of your own and I will help you get ranked or you can keep doing what you're trying to do and you will not succeed and you'll have to start all over anyway. And his response was, is I want yours. So I say all that to say, I've never told that story. It was very selfish of me to tell that story right now, but I think agents need to look out for that for competitors trying to hijack their pages. And that's why if nothing else, you need to be on top of your page because what would have happened if I'd have ignored that email, they would have sent a postcard to our address and whoever has that postcard, there's a code on there. They punch that code in, they have access to the page, right? Hey Bradley, wasn't the onus behind you like really starting to look to go independent because the captive carrier that you represented, what wasn't there something where they wanted you to shut down or they wanted ownership of your Google business page. And I want to say they wanted you to shut down that SarahLandInsurance.com website or something. That was a domino. Yeah. That conversation I just told you guys about, which I've never told to anybody until now was, was part of it. Yeah. Um, but it kind of opened my eyes to this. What'd you call it, Ron? Black, some black hat, black hat black SEO hat, yeah. where people would hijack stuff like that. And Instead of doing your own hard work and listening to podcasts like this one and learning how to better your agency, people would piggyback off somebody else's years of hard work. Uh, after all this talk about reviews, something that you can do when you onboard a new client, very likely that moment is the happiest they will ever be with you. Yep. Solicit them for a review as part of your onboarding process. Yep. Whether that's an automated email, text message, phone call, ringless voicemail, hand sign, postcard, whatever it is you do, because you need to do you, but put that as part of your onboarding process to affect getting those reviews. We, uh, we, we've been doing that for about two years and it, it used to be at like day 14 because I didn't want to ask for something right after they gave me money. Recently, we started doing it day two and, or I say day two, 24 hours later, and we noticed an immediate, we actually got more Google reviews in the month of October than any other month since my captive days. So guys, I want to talk just a moment. I've got a lot of questions before we get off this show, but this week I had a one hour phone call with Rocket Referrals. I know a lot of people out there are using Rocket Referrals. There was three onuses behind that call, but the first one was to argue with them about the difference between testimonials and reviews. And my thing was, we're getting all these wonderful testimonials about our agency, but those testimonials aren't transferring over to Google reviews because a lot of people will write a testimonial and then, and then they get this thing for review and they're like, well, I've already done a review. We can argue the potato potato over what is a testimonial versus what a review is. But here's something I learned, and I didn't know this at the time, until I started arguing with Nick Barry about that this week, is there is a specific process as a third-party vendor that Rocket Referrals has to go through before they can send your new client that Google review, whatever they send to them for them to post a review. They can't, they can't send that out of the gate. There's a term for that, and I can't remember what it is, but it's not as simple as just out of the gate, them sending them a, a Google review. And maybe you guys know more about that than I do. So if you don't outsource that process, 
And it, there's pluses and minuses both ways, right? Right. If you control that process in-house, if you have a Google My Business listing, there is what they call a short code. Um, it's almost like a bit.ly, but it's a, it's a truncated URL that you can create. You can send that. You, Scott, can send that out of your system right. to a client that will take them to your listing and you can say, hey, please leave us a review if you had a great experience. And that can be a way to get around that problem. And, right. and what it does too, we use that short code as well. When it, it doesn't just take them to the business listing, when they click on it, it takes it to the listing. It takes about two seconds and it pops up and it's already got the stars there. So they just literally, yeah. it's three clicks, one click to click on the link, one click to click the five stars and one click to submit. And that's it. That's right. Um, I don't yep. even think it requires them to log into Gmail. That's right. That's the way to go right there. Talk a little yep. bit, Ron, about the importance to get into some little bit more in-depth SEO tactics. Talk a little bit about the importance of blog posts and content on your website. We don't do a ton of blogs, but it seems like every time I get around to writing a blog, we get an organic lead through our website that week. So how does Google know what you do if you don't have content on your website? They don't. They don't know what you offer. You need Google's algorithm. It's an algorithm. They're not picking up the phone and calling you. They're not sending you an email saying, hey, what do you guys specialize in? The algorithm has to crawl your website to know what it is the heck you do. What do you offer? So if you write 50 blog entries about health insurance, Google now knows that you specialize and offer health insurance to customers. So if you're creating that content regularly, Google is seeing that that's your expertise and that you can help people. And Google ultimately wants one thing, people to keep coming back to their engine to search for whatever it is they need. So they want to believe that the people they're putting at the top of the list are experts in whatever that search criteria is. If you don't put content, there is zero ways for Google to know that. So therefore, you have to be regularly publishing something. Mm -hmm. Now, YouTube can affect that because YouTube is actually the second largest search engine in the world. It's owned by Google. When you do a Google search, you often get videos across the organic results, right? You can use that as a mechanism to produce content, but it's really important for your website to have that expertise so that that algorithm knows what it is you specifically offer. And how often do you put a new blog on your website? You, <sighs> not, you not what you recommend. What do you do? So in the last two years, we have published between 350 and 400 blog entries. So about every other day. Pretty close. I'll take spurts where I'll publish one a day. And there's occasionally we have some moments where we'll mm -hmm. pause, especially if we're running a specific targeted educational campaign. And the reality is my agency is built around writing standard business. I'm not trying to find the price shopper, the cheapest guy out there. I'm worried about people that are worried about whether or not they have appropriate coverage. So all of our content is geared at educating people about what they truly need. Mm -hmm. And as a result, those organic leads 
are exactly who we want to work with. The thing you remember here, when you're putting out content, you're putting out the bait for the fish you're trying to attract. So you get to control those leads that are coming in because the guy, the 20 year old kid who's driving a Dodge Charger, whose car payment and insurance payment are more than his monthly rent, that's not my target market. It may be for you. And if it is, that's great. But I'm not putting content that's going to attract him by saying $39 liability coverage. Well, and it's like every agent in industry groups on Facebook likes to tout that they don't sell on price. But then if you go to their Facebook page, their Instagram or their blog, it's like, save money, free quote. And it's like, no, like you've got to put out what you want to do, you know. When I looked at my Google My Business listing insights yesterday, Bradley, Uh the second phrase that drives people to my agency is best Texas home insurance. I use the phrase best home insurance prolifically through my content. And I never, ever talk about price. Hey, Ron, real quick. I'm yep. just, all I do is channel these 250,000 agents because I think just like they do. I ain't got time to write a blog post every day. I barely got time to go to the bathroom every day, much less write a blog post every day. Does it matter if you hire a ghostwriter to do this for you as long as they're writing no. good content? As long as they can write good content. So one of the things that I do, I, have, I do have somebody that does ghostwrite for me, and I taught him how to write it, basically. Right. He's a, tr- he's a trusted partner in this. He actually has an insurance license. I give him a list of topics and he goes to town and I pay him per post. Right. The answer to your question, Scott, is if it's important to you, you've got to make it a priority. Oh, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the the point I was trying to make is I know what these insurance agents are thinking. So what I'm giving them is a workaround. Like I know, I know you don't have time to do this, but here's a way to do it. And and we have a ghostwriter we use as well that does a, a phenomenal job and you send her four or five bullet points and then there you get your blog back. And I don't think I've had one that I've had to edit for inaccuracy. So the first 200, 250 blog posts were done by me personally though, Scott. One of the things that happens with writing those entries with more frequency that you do it, the faster that they become, just like anything else. The first time you ran a quote probably took you two days to figure out how to get a dwelling value. Right. Right. You can do that in your sleep now in writing those entries. It's muscle development. It's the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. One of the other things that I will tell you is when you're creating content, create content that can be used in multiple channels. Mm -hmm. So there's a, a, a brilliant internet marketer by the name of Ryan Levesque. I have a ton of respect for him. And I've actually read some of his stuff, gone through some of his training. His hallmark is anytime he creates a piece of content, he wants to be able to use it in at least four channels. So you've got your website, you've got YouTube, you've got your social media channels, and he'll do email marketing with it as well. But you're not having to do anything besides post that blog. In other words, you're not having to go to Google and attach that to your Google. Google will go find that, right? They'll, they'll crawl that. So there's a couple of things in play here. I publish my blog through my CRM. I use HubSpot. Mm -hmm. And so my website is integrated into HubSpot. So it publishes the blog post for me to the website with all the metadata and everything else. I have a feature turned on inside of HubSpot 
that pushes that blog post to our Facebook page, our Twitter, and our LinkedIn page. I do go to my Google My Business listing and I will put a post on the My Business listing that contains an image from the article that we just published uh-huh. and I'll put a link to the article. You don't have to do that, but Google rewards you if you're putting content into their ecosystem like that. Got you. I will also, if I create a video for the blog, I will also publish that to YouTube with a link back to the blog entry just so we can try to create more traffic. One last question, Ron, then we got to go. What keeps me from going to Google, my Google ad manager page and buying the words portal insurance, Sarah land and doing ads with that keyword portal insurance. Absolutely nothing but a pocketbook. Okay. However, it's going to look real weird. Was that a threat? No. When you, when you advertise your agency on the words portal insurance and right below that is getportalinsurance.com. Right. Bradley, you know why I asked that question. Remember about a month ago when I sent you a... Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. I had somebody, something. Somebody's doing that to Scott. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it happens all the time. I, I've, I've got agent friends who run keyword ad campaigns against the, the name brands. Mm-hmm. Because they're typically cheaper words because the people that are Googling that phrase have high intent to go to the actual business. Ron, thank you so much for being on this show. I could sit here and talk to you for two hours. And I'm going to tell you something, guys. Y'all learned something today, whether you wanted to or not. If, if you listen to this long enough, you learned something today. And I, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you being on the show, brother. It means a lot. My pleasure, sir. Let's do it again here in about six months, and we'll we'll take this to the next level and maybe even deep dive further than we did today. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, guys, listen, as I say every week, get your ass out from behind that desk. Go out into the big, bad world today and make money for your family, for your wife, for your husband, for your kid's college fund, for your parents that are struggling, and for the love of God. We just went over some very simple, not hard to do things. Yeah, it's going to take a little bit of time. But hell, you sons of bitches have been watching an election for 48 freaking hours. I think you can spend a couple hours on your Google business page. So tomorrow or this evening, get on there and do some of the steps that we talked about today. And that really starts with completing and filling out your Google business listing to the max and then kind of go from there. And I hope you took notes today. Write good business for the companies that you represent and write good business for the agencies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. I love you too, Scott. You mean the world to me and I'm, I really appreciate everything that you do for me. No, pro- no problem, Bradley. I'm glad to do it, man. All right, guys, listen, we love you too. Y'all have a great rest of the week. You are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care.